This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome again to the Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Mike Gregg. This is a special episode as we are going to be looking at the beginning of the Claudio Ranieri era for Fulham. And the way we're going to do this is that we're going to be talking a little bit about his presser that he just finished uh, as we're recording this. It finished about 15 to 20 minutes ago. And then after that, we're going to look at all the players for Fulham by different positions and how each one of these players could fit under Claudio Ranieri, and maybe in some cases, players might not fit. So we're going to go through all the players and talk about it. I thought it would be an interesting show to see what potentially could happen under Claudio Ranieri. All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about in this episode, but it's been a while. I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Mike, how are you, my friend? Yeah, hi, Russ. Uh, yeah, doing well. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about... Uh, yeah the new manager and uh, the way he might use our players. and um, But it's also a sad time as well because it ends, uh, you know, two and a half, three years of, uh, you know, really good football and uh, a lot a lot of good memories as well. Absolutely. And, Mike, that's where I want to start with you because I definitely want your thoughts on Ranieri. But we have to start by talking about Slavisa. Honestly, uh, I was against this move just because of uh, – like you said, the, the time that Savisa has been in charge and the style of play that we've had has been phenomenal, and I thought he deserved more time. That's just my opinion. I want to get your thoughts on Savisa and also how you took the news when you heard it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's such a tough one. And uh, I, I think I said on one show, I've certainly written it on Twitter or online, but uh, I would have stuck with him, but he had to sign a contract. He had, if I was the chairman, if I, if I was willing to get relegated, yep. um, then, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to, but the case would be, look, we trust you. We know we can get back to playing football. 
and uh, but we might not stay up but we want you to stay with us if we go down to try and come back to do that I need you to commit to a contract and then there may have been an argument for keeping it there but I've got a I, I, it's upsetting to sack him and I was 51% yep. 49 not to but uh, <laughs> you know when you realistically when you lose six league games a cup game you know seven games in row in a row it's um, there's not a lot of way back I mean Joel got away with it twice well he got away with it once he lost five on the trot and maybe we should have sacked him there and then and uh, but then he lost another five in in the season he got really you know when he got um so it's uh, that's my sort of golden rule. Five games in a row, you need to then look at who you've played. I mean, you might have played all the top teams. What were the performances like? Were there any mitigating circumstances? But we were just getting worse. You know, I mean, the, it's maybe okay for 20 minutes, okay against Liverpool. We, we worked hard, but, it, you know, second half was very stale. And it was just a case of keep the score down. And I don't think Liverpool ever got out of second gear, quite frankly. And, you know, and then you hear a lot of rumblings about what's possibly going on and that kind of thing. And in the end, I think money spoke for the Khans. I think, you know, they've spent 100 million quid, wisely or not. And uh, they've got to protect that investment. And they just felt they needed needed a change and uh, that Savisa wasn't going to you know, wasn't going to uh, turn it around. And they spent a lot of time with him last week. You know, they were at Liverpool, they were with him for like four or five days and, uh, you know, probably sussing him out and asking him questions, how are you going to turn it around? And uh, while on the other hand, they were also interviewing four or five other people just in case. And yeah. obviously Liverpool result tipped the balance, I suspect. Um and uh, we are where we are. But I do think we've probably got the, the best available person out there to come in. That I totally agree with you, Mike. We're going to talk about Claudio in just a second. But to go back and talk about Savita, and uh, I'm a big fan of his. And uh, I just wanted to see him have more time. But you just brought up that uh, comparison to Martin Yule, and maybe they learned something from that period and they saw the international break and and feared that they would go down that path if they did not make the move. That's actually a very good point by you to bring up those uh, two considerable losing streaks under Yol. And it is about money. Uh, that's my opinion, too. And uh, they have to consider it as a business. I'm a fan. I'm looking at it as a fan. And I saw some of the best football I can remember watching Fulham Football Club. So that's one of the things I'm going to miss. And, of course, all of the accomplishments that uh, Savica gave us. It's, those are all great memories. But getting back to Fulham Football Club, what is best? I would have kept with him. And like you said, Mike, I would have gone down to the championship with him if we got relegated. But you bring up an excellent point. I do agree with you that he would have needed to sign a, a new deal. And uh, I don't know the uh, parameters around what happened with getting a new contract, but I agree with you on that. And uh, it's a sad day when we heard the news. I, I was shocked on Wednesday to hear it. I, I didn't see it coming. Did you see this coming, Mike? Um, no. Uh, well, no, not really. Not really. Um, there, I was in actually a group discussion talking about various bits and pieces, and then literally it came up, and uh, it's sort of like, oh god, <laughs> here we go again. And um, 
Yeah, very sad. I mean, my feeling is very sad to end like that, just, you know, following May and uh, that great day at Wembley and, uh, the two, you know, the last two seasons of really good quality football. But uh, I, I wouldn't say I was totally shocked, but uh, I think, you know, everything that's come out that they were interviewing last week, right. uh, following Huddersfield with the international break, I have to give the Khans credit that they they did it early in the break because I quite frankly I was <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd done it next week and next Thursday or something you know two days before Southampton so unlike last time where they sacked Kit without a replacement they've now gone the opposite direction and virtually named him before being sacked but right. uh, um, which they've got criticism for uh, there's no right or wrong way I, I mean. We are where we are now, and um, I can't believe Savisa thought it was too, you know, it was too surprised. Because as I say, you just can't lose that many games in a row. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just in, just incredible sadness. I, I hope he goes and gets a job abroad. I don't really want to face him um, <laughs> in uh, in the Premier League. And and quite frankly, I'd be surprised if he got a job in the Premier League now. He, he needs to go somewhere, maybe back into the championship, who knows, and just re-establish his credentials um, because uh, it is a bad, this is a bad start on his CV and he's going to have to rebuild it slightly. Mike, someone gave me a very interesting scenario. Say our next match, we beat Southampton with Claudio Ranieri and uh, Hughes gets the sack. Let's just play this out. And then Savisa becomes the manager of Southampton. That that was the scenario I was given. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, it would be. And uh, I don't think Southampton fans would be that impressed either. <laughs> um, and you have to say, you know, given his track record, if if you sort of step back and and look at his track record at our place and, and at Watford and elsewhere, he's a slow starter. So yep. is he a manager in some ways you want coming in in the middle of a season. I mean, he started at uh, Watford, I think, in early October, maybe. I, it took, I took them wrong. a while to get going. And I think he lost four on the trot as well. Yeah. And I think that stopped when they played us, I think, but probably <laughs> as usual. And yeah. um, so I don't know. I think yeah, I would um, I would be surprised if, a, like I say, I'd be surprised if a Premier League team comes out. Sure. I, I wouldn't expect a fantasy to come for him. I don't think that scenario is going to happen, Mike. It was just a, a funny little thing that someone said yeah. to me. And, you know, and I said that potentially I could see the championship or Spain. I could see him trying to get a job in Spain. I thought that might be the other location because I know his family's in Spain. So I thought maybe he ends up there. But, Mike, let's move on. Let's talk about Claudio Ranieri. And in, in just a bit, we'll be talking about the presser that just happened. I definitely want your feedback on that. But what did you think of the hire when you heard it? Yeah, well, I was um, I was pleased uh, in in some ways that we didn't muck around and, and put a caretaker in that we've gone and got someone. Um, I did a, as you well know, Russ. I did a sort of knockout cut last week of managers, yeah. um, and uh, Claudio won it. Uh, it was a bit <laughs> of fun, and I know some people were upset, but uh, I ran something like that. But you know. You know, sixty percent in the end wanted him, and yeah. as I say, I, you look at that list. I, you know, I listed thirty-two managers who are available or 
you know, had a had a good standing where we might be able to get them. And you have to say the list was pretty horrendous. So, you know, take four or five out of it, and, and that was about as long as your short list is going to be of, of people you really wanted. Um, I know a couple of names of who we interviewed, but I'll leave that uh, to one side. And uh, yeah, I think we've we've got. The, I would have picked him, quite frankly, if you give me, you know, looking at a list. Yeah, I okay, agree with you, Mike. With, I would have too, honestly. Yeah, I know he didn't have a great uh, time in, at Nantes, and uh, yep. but you know, we all know what he did at Leicester, and I know that ended badly. And you know, he's had a uh, spells at Monaco, and and you know, into Juventus, you know, all these, these are all big clubs. We have a big manager. Let's not, you know, let's That's not right. jerk away from it. He's a, you know, when you talk about internet, you know, managers who have managed at the top, top level, he is one of them. And uh, to get him is a, a real coup. And, uh, you know, he's experienced, you know, nearly, a, I think it's nearly 900 games he's managed, Premier League, you know, he's managed over I'm just looking at it now. He's managed 209 games in the Premier League, winning half of them almost. So he's experienced. He know he's watched us a few times. I'm told that his interview was excellent and that he knew all the players. He knew the, some of the issues. Um, we saw it in the press conference. Yep, absolutely. Uh, his his language. Uh, you know, he went from English to Italian to French and. Uh, could be argued I understood his French better than I understood uh, Jukanovic's English. So, um, <laughs> you know, he speaks the language of everyone in that in that dressing room. I actually think that's well. important, Mike. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I'm led to believe that Jukanovic's English and, and lack of improvement in that area is, is one of the factors in uh, some of the problems that uh, he's experienced recently. So... Um, best man for the job. He's he has a record of uh, playing different types of formations, coming in at teams, doing well. Maybe never been at a team that was bottom, but you know he's turned things around. And uh, he's got, think of his contact list come January. That's know, right. Uh, we can do a whole show on transfers, news in charge, <laughs> and whatever. Um, but he comes with a reputation and even Tony Khan is not going to ignore that reputation, I'm sure. I hope he doesn't because I've, I've heard some of these names, Mike, and some of them I could see working at Fulham. So uh, that's, uh, like you said, a show in itself. And maybe we'll have to do that because I could see several names being linked to Fulham that could be good fits. So uh, we'll do that on another show. Thank you for that idea. I appreciate that. Let's move on. Let's talk about the presser that just happened. And uh, I thought it was fascinating. So just give me your overall thoughts and, uh, I'll mention a couple of highlights that I saw from it, but just your opening thoughts on uh, Claudio's first uh, press conference with Fulham. Well, I think one of the pluses we have with Claudio, and, and one of the um, press guys said it, I think, that uh, you know they were happy to see him back and he always brings a smile to their faces. For Fulham, in the situation we're in, he's great PR. You know, the, the, the press do love him. Um, he has a you know a wry sense of humour as well, and they come out with the quotes they want. Um, you know he has that reputation of being the tinker man, what he did at Chelsea, all that kind of stuff. But um, they do like him, so that's very good for us. Uh, you saw the pictures of the press room. 
I know for a fact sometimes they have only one person turn up at the press. You know, poor old Ryan there, <laughs> sat on his own. Um, but today it was it was busy, and that's what he brings. That's what he yep. brings to the show. And uh, he said the right things. And you know, you read between the lines. It's uh, it's get results, get results first. Um, I just tweeted about, you know, you, I think we can forget about the pretty football. I'm having some quite blatant comments come back at me saying, well, who wants pretty football anyway? Well, I think we do want nice football, um, but there is a time and a place. And, and now it's about working hard, breaking a sweat, closing down, supporting everyone. Uh, he mentioned the fans an awful lot. They need yep. to support the fans. And um, it's a case of, Let's just stay up. That's what I took from that. He mentioned yes. the, the chairman. Safe. Uh, he used the word safe. safe. Yeah, let's be safe. Finish 17th, I don't care. Uh, and then we build on that. And um, there's plenty of time to do that. And uh, you have to say, if it's not him, who else would it be? So, uh, so yeah, um, it was a very good. But, you know, I mentioned about speaking the language, how he just yep. went, you know, he's, he's, and that's what you get with a lot of these international managers. And um, the dressing room, the way modern football is, you've got to get the instructions over quickly. You've got a room of 11, 12, uh, you know, 18 players, and you want them to do it a certain way. You can't be using translators. You've got to speak to these people as quickly as possible in the short space of time. And that's what he's going to be able to do. And, you know, maybe some of the players whose language problems you know, have caused issues. He he can put an arm around and talk to them in their native language, and um, you know, help them to build up their confidence as well, and give them clear instructions. One of the things I said on this show last time I did it last was everyone looked yep. confused. Um, so hopefully we we'll get some more clarity now. I'm glad that you uh, started by talking about that, Mike, because uh, the one thing that stood out for me watching this is that he commands the room. He completely commands the room, and it is about communication. I think he's going to be a great communicator, and I think you already talked about that. Not just to the media. That's for the media and, and for us, the fans, but to his players. I, th I think that is the one thing that stood out to me. I could see him being able to communicate his message very well. And this is the f first, uh, I guess you could say, message I got from his presser that I wanted to talk to you about it. And what it really is to me, what I think he was trying to say in his way was play as a team because he was, I'm paraphrasing, but he was talking about defending as a team, everyone defending together and then attacking as a team. So what I got from him is that he wants them to play together as a team. And you were talking about that, Mike, that not everyone was on the same page this season. It sounds like to me, he's hell bent to making sure that everyone's on the same page. Well, he also comes in without any preconceptions. You know, um, he, nothing's carried over from last season. Um, players like Johansson, okay, he's on international duty at the moment, but, you know, it doesn't matter that he was in the, the, the team that got promoted last year. Hopefully, he's, you know, he's got a fresh start. And uh, some of the new guys who have struggled as well. And, uh, you know, we just have to, you know, I don't think he's going to... Uh, Big, there's no big names in that dressing room that's going to upset him. You know, right. He's dealt with the biggest names around. So sure. uh, he will be able to just say, you know, 
he's going to command respect not only of the press guys there, but I, you would hope the players, uh, when they look at him and realise, you know, what he's won in the past. So if he tells you to do a job, you do a job. You, you probably watched the training video from yesterday. I Russ, did. And, um, I know it's a bit of a cliche and a bit of a British thing, but it was good to see those players sweating and, and working hard and listening to what he was saying. I'm not saying they didn't work under, hard in training under Mikanovic, but um, this is the moment for, you know, digging in and uh, the spirit, you know, team spirit to, to get us out of this mess. And, That's right. Um, it's not, it's not going to take a huge amount. Like, you know, I'm not like a lot of the other fans who think, the players we brought in are all rubbish. I don't. I don't think they are. They're just, just misguided. Not, you know, not giving the correct direction. And he's going to come in and uh, he's going to learn. He's going to have to learn about it very quickly. But I'm sure he's experienced enough to do that. I totally agree, Mike. And I'm, again, this is just my thoughts. I think he already has a, a plan in mind about these players, and uh, I think he has studied full enough to know coming into it, what he has and what he doesn't have. And uh, I, I think he will have uh, a plan to uh, to get this team safe, as he was saying. He also, Mike, kept using this word, I want to say pretty frequently, and these two words, clean sheet, Mike. He must have said it at least five times. Well, yeah, I mean, it's um, he's Italian. That's the sort of, that's what you think about Italians. They're going to win 1-0. They're going to keep a clean sheet. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what we need to do. We're letting him, what, two goals a game plus, aren't we? So, that's right. you know, to use a stat, if, you know, Big Sam loves his stats as well, even though, we, you know, we think he's a bit of a dinosaur, but, you know, he works on the basis. I might have to figure exactly wrong, but the number of clean sheets you keep over the season equates to, you know, 2.2 points or something over a season something like that. So, you know, you keep 14 clean sheets in the season, you've got in the bank, you've got 28 points. So that's the way, that's the way you work it out. And so, yeah, clean sheets will uh, keep you up. Um, They don't necessarily win you an awful lot, but uh, they will, uh, they will keep you up in our situation. That's for sure. Absolutely, Mike. And uh, a couple of other words that he mentioned together were quality and fighting spirit. He kept mentioning fighting spirit as well, which again is something that he had a lesser and he wants uh, Fulham to have as well. And he, I think he even said he, he's already seen that. So he believes he has the fighting spirit. If you can bring the quality and the fighting spirit together, obviously I feel you, you have a chance. So uh, we'll see uh, how he can do there. The, one other thing that I found interesting, Mike, and this goes back to his uh, way of thinking. He was talking about, needing to win matches because we've all been talking about performances and he's basically said, win the match. He even said, talking about teams like Manchester city and Liverpool and talking about how we played well against Liverpool, but you know, didn't win the match. And he said, I I'm paraphrasing. I can have my team play badly, but win the match is fine by him. And, and, and that's a, a, actually a very interesting way to look at it for him. It's just about three points. Well, yeah, but to be fair to Jukanovic as well, I know he said he said certain stuff like that in the past. Yeah. I mean, although he wants us to play football, he's, he said, hasn't he? You know, I'm quite happy to win one nil and 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 whatever it's about getting points, and and that's what it is. But I don't think we're suddenly going to turn into you know Stoke of three or four years no. ago or something like that. But my 
you know, you, you hope you're going to see uh, a pattern of play. Um, we certainly aren't going to play the pretty football around the back. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Sure. Um, because now's not the time. Now is the time to, yeah, battle away, pick up three points here, pick up a point here, you know, and just just edge back, get in touch with the, the teams, uh, you know, three or four places above us. Because it's going to be a low low figure to stay stay up this year. It's going to be 33, 34 points. I saw you tweet that out, Mike. I was shocked that it was that low. Well, the top teams are, are winning almost everything. They're, you know, they're banking so many points that um, it's just theoretically, it's, it's, it's um, those teams at the bottom can't win enough points to get to forty. So, you know, if I was if I was a bet, if I was a betting man, I'd, I'd put thirty thirty four um, would be my my target. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, at the moment the way things are looking. It's not going to take an awful lot, and we we do, but we do have to start beating the teams around us, and, and that's the start of their week. You know, totally agree, Mike. Listen, I'm not comparing style of play to these two managers. I'm just thinking about, say, a, a disciplined side. I remember how Fulham played under Roy Hodgson. Again, I'm let me stress, not the same style. I'm just talking about a team that is difficult to beat. I believe that potentially Ranieri is going to have a team that's going to be much more difficult to beat than they are right now. And that's why I wanted to compare it a little bit to the mentality of Roy. Well, yeah, I mean, Roy, it's, you know, people forget that, you know, Roy came in and it actually took him quite a while to, uh, to get some decent results. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not going to be easy and he's going to have to work hard on the training field. They're going to have to, you know, learn the style that he wants them to play. But I will, it, it will be much more compact and it will be defence first um, and pick up bits and pieces going forward. We've got enough. He said we've got quality and uh, and he will find a way of using that. But, uh, you know, at the moment, it's, um, it's, it's by any means necessary to uh, get points. <laughs> okay, very good, Mike. All right, let's now talk about the players and how they potentially could fit or maybe not fit under Ranieri. And uh, under Leicester, they basically played the 4-4-2. Uh, I went back and I checked uh, his time at Nantes, and uh, it was pretty split. He It was a little bit more playing the 4-2-3-1 compared to playing the 4-4-2, and there were a couple of other formations. But it was generally the majority of the time it was 4-2-3-1, and then second was – Four four two. So keep that in mind when we're talking about these players, because I'm not sure exactly what formation he's going to use most with Fulmai. I don't think we're really a four four two team. So I'm, I'm thinking it, it could be more four two three one. But only time will tell when we see the team that he puts out against Southampton and then moving forward. But I'm also thinking about formations, Mike. So before we actually we even talk about the players, is that something that you're curious about as well? Yeah, I mean, he, he does have similarities with Roy. I mean, our view on Roy now is that, oh, he's a four-four-two man and that's yeah. it, he's never going to deviate. But actually, if you look back over his career, he has played lots of different formations. Um, maybe the slightly same style, but lots of... And I remember seeing an interview that he goes in and he adapts to the players he has or the, or the team he has. Right. 
So in Italy, he would play three at the back. Um, for Fulham, he felt 4-4-2 was best. For England, he evolved from 4-4-2 to, uh, you know, slightly different, more fluid formations, which were we see we saw as very unroy. Because the thing about Roy is he was at Blackburn and you know, and Bristol City and all those kind of teams. Um, but he was a, out the country a lot more, so he never saw what he did. And um, you know, he is he, he's a lot more fluid than we actually think. And um, you know, Ranieri. The thing, looking back at all his teams, is there are there are variants of four four two, you know, four not many four three threes. Right. You know, four two three one, yes, four three two one even. Um, and certainly with Leicester, you know, plenty of plenty of four four twos, but um, not many fives at the back now. So I don't see that happening, which I think. I, I don't know. I think the squad, if you look at our squad, I think we're yep. we're built in some ways for for the wing backs, for three centre backs. So I think he's I don't think he's gonna go down that route. Um which I think is a bit of an undoing on Jukanovic's side, quite frankly. because um, he should I felt he should have kept that sort of formation going. But anyway, and I can see two defensive midfielders, so I, yep. I do think we're we're going to see the four three, or four two. You know, uh, it's it's going to be right. something like that. But uh, but I don't think we'll see five at the back. Okay, very good there, Mike. All right, let's talk about the goalkeepers: Marcus Bettinelli, Sergio Rico, and Fabri. Thoughts on these goalkeepers? Who do you think will be his number one? Rico is. Right now, uh, you know, again, de facto coming from Jokanovic, but Jokanovic went through all three. So what are your thoughts about the goalkeepers? Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, he will have watched the games. He will, you know, even the Fulham fans at the moment, uh, you know, apart from the really diehard Bettinelli fans, are pretty much all saying, yeah, Rico, he looks, the, he looks okay. He, he looks the number one. And, um, I don't think he's gone away on international duty, so um, I suspect he's he's there on the training field every day while Bettinelli's kicking a ball against the wall for uh, England. So he's going to be more in the mind, I feel, of uh, Ranieri. So I expect him to uh, be their number one. Um, he may know him a little bit, uh, you know, from watching Spanish football. Um, not sure he'd know much about Fabri, maybe, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think it'd be Rico. Okay, very good, Mike. All right, let's start it right back. Let's talk about the candidates here. Timothy Fosu-Mensa, Cyrus Christie, and I'm also going to put this player in that category, too. I'm going to say Dennis Adoy. So let's talk about those three players. We know Adoy can play center back. I know how you feel about that. So I want to just ask you about potentially him at right back. So your thoughts on these three players? Yeah, I, I think um, I think Christie will be seen uh, will be seen possibly more now as, as maybe a wing back, more attacking player to come on, uh, maybe. Um, I think depending on who you choose at centre back, I think Adoy will will go initially at right back possibly because he is. Um, Bit more defensive, bit more solid. He started um, his full career as a right back. 
Well, exactly. Well, he actually came to us, didn't he, mainly to be the left back, and that didn't, Correct. you know, for various reasons he had to change. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to go with Adoy. Um, yeah, I don't like him at centre back, absolutely not. But uh, at right back, <laughs> in a sort of flat back four, which I, you expect, um, yeah, I'd be quite happy with him at the moment. There is okay. an argument, there is an argument, though, um, depending on what he does with Chambers that Chambers could play right back if you went to almost, you know, he didn't do very well at Cardiff, I have to say, no. but, um, <laughs> you know, if he wanted four big centre-backs, if you like, uh, on for whatever game, then the, the, you need to add him into the mix, possibly. Okay, well, he's a player that we can talk about in several positions, and I definitely want your thoughts about him, how he's going to be used. I've had people tweet me asking about, Callum Chambers. So we'll talk about him in just a second, Mike. Let's now transition. Let's talk about left back. Let's go to the other fullback. Let's talk about Joe Bryan. And I guess we have to talk about potentially Ryan Sessegnon playing that role too. So how do you see left back going into the Southampton match under Ranieri? Well, there's Marchand as well. You have to remember. Well, Marchand too. Yes, absolutely. I should have mentioned Marchand. Yeah. Um, Well, I I think I mean, Seth does come into it, absolutely does come into it playing at left back. But uh, I think well, this, this is all very difficult. I, I mean, I think initially he's, he's just going to want defensive players. So I actually do think it will, it will be Marchand. Okay. I mean, Brian, I may have seen him on the training ground. I thought I did, Mike. I actually did. I yeah, thought I, I, I saw maybe, him. Yeah, maybe he's back. So I would, I, I would, he would be my choice. Um, He'd be mine too. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised with Marchand at left back. We all know he, he gets a nosebleed if he goes over halfway line to <laughs> step back. Um, but at the moment, that's what we want, isn't it? We want players hanging back. <laughs> okay, very good, my friend. All right, let's talk about two potential center backs. Who will they be? We have Tim Ream, Alfie Mawson. You could also say Le Marchand and Callum Chambers. And Callum Chambers is going to be interesting because I want to talk about him in the midfield as well because we have that from the Liverpool match. So, who do you see as the centre back pairing? Well, I, eventually, uh, you know, before before January, if we decide to bring anyone else in, I do see it being Mawson and Chambers eventually. Okay, um, I've said that from early on in the season. Um, I think you've got to look at Mawson and say, right, you're you're my number one centre back. Your position is the left side. That's that's where you're comfortable at. Um, just give you a run of games. And, uh, you know, he's going to fit into that kind of, if, it, if you're matching up against the Leicester team, you know, he does sort of fit that that mould. I think initially he's going to play Chambers in midfield. Um, so that okay. leaves the other position, that leaves the other position open. And that's where we are unbalanced, you know, because we have, you know, three, play, three players who all play on the left side of the centre-backs. Um, so one, you've got to decide how how am I if I'm going to play Reem or Marchand even, um, which one of them is going to play on the right? That's why I keep going back to Chambers. Know. But, you know, right. balance is there because I don't want to do it there. So, um, <laughs> I know, Mike. I know. Yeah, um, I think he will. I think he might go with um, with with Reem um, okay. initially, uh, but as I say, I think Chambers will eventually. Going to that position. Okay, very good. 
All right, let's go. There is another, there is another option, which is ahead, Mensa. Mike. No, Mensa has played uh, centre-back. Um, That's a good point. He has. Yeah, yeah, he's a big guy as well. He's not, he's not really shot at right back. So, you know, that gives him another option as well. Mike, why do you think he has gone the other way? Do you think it's injury-related? I'm talking about Fosu Mensa. I mean, because he's young. You know, it's as simple as that. Young players are are still finding their way. You have to, you know, some players who their performance levels stay high when they're young. But he's yep. he's coming to a team. It's uh, he's in and out of the team. It's uh, poor results. Confidence is low. He's away. He's on loan. You know, so it's uh, it's been a tough tough learning curve for him here and. Uh, I think it's just goes back also to what I was saying that players are confused. So, you know, sometimes he looks like he's uh, he's got all the attributes. He gets forward, but he, you know, his crossing is pretty appalling. And there's other times where, you know, he's just hung back. When I first saw him, I thought, God, he's never going to get forward. But um, you know, he can do that. So I think it's instructions to him and and just an arm around the shoulder. But uh, you know, he's he's still going to have a uh, part to play for sure. Okay, excellent, Mike. All right, as we talk about the midfield, I want to share this tweet that I got today. From uh, He goes by Sebastian, uh, actually Seb C underscore. And I actually tweeted out this, and he responded to this. The tweet was, he used 442 at Leicester City talking about Ranieri, but at Nantes, his most used formation was 4-2-3-1. Does he pick a formation based on his personnel or the opponent? I was just throwing that out there. His response was, there's a good chance Seri or Kearney get shoehorned into some supporting central role by Ranieri at Fulham, just like Valentin Ronier was in Nantes. Okay. The reason why I bring that up, because this is an interesting situation. We're going to talk about the two defensive midfielders. I think we're in agreement that we think that's the way he's going to go, Mike. But yeah. you have players like Sari and Kearney and, and also Nguisa. Where do they fit? So this is where it, my conversation was to you that before we even started during, during the show. That these are the players I was really thinking about, talking about where do they fit. So I want to get your thoughts on that tweet that I got back. Yeah, I mean, it's um, <clears throat> it's going to be – this is where I go back to what I was saying about the players we signed. You know, they, yep. Potentially, we've got a really good bunch of players. We're not performing at the moment, but they're not all rubbish. And, uh, you know, but you've got to take that press conference into account. And what he's looking for is grit, determination, uh, a bit of quality, but it's fighting spirit. And I, I expect you're going to see McDonald. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see McDonald and Chambers start. Okay. Um, but he, but he also he knows Siri and Frank from the French league last year. He does. So he, he's going to know their qualities, and um, he will have seen what they can do. And then they come with great reputations, and uh, and they they haven't quite shown it yet. Siri's gone backwards a bit, um, and Greaser is up and down. But um, so I. I if you're looking for fighting spirit, you, I think you've got to have McDonald in the team. Um, depending whether it's home or away, maybe Johansson. But I think initially it's going to be uh, 
it's so difficult. It's, it's going to be McDonald, Frank, or, or even Chambers in that bottom two in the yep. in front of the centre backs. That's what I see. Okay. And then I think someone's going to have to fall out. It's, it's going to be Siri or Kearney. I don't think. Well, that's why I'm I'm bring I brought up the tweet, Mike, because I think someone yeah. is is going to be out, and then there's a decision to make. Will it be Siri or Kearney? Because that's what I find interesting. Let's say it's a four-two-three-one. Let's just play with that scenario because it could be four four two but let's just say it's four two three one out of the players that we're talking about Kearney, Sari, you've already talked about Johansson. I, I think he's part of a different mix. But also let's talk about even Sessignon in this type of say four two three one. And then of course you also you know again I, just to bring it up you still have Niskins Cabano. You know we can't forget about him either Mike. So if it's say a three who do you see as the three? We, you've already established the two. Who would be the three? Yeah, well, I think Kearney would be the one in the sort of middle. I think Sessa would be on the left. And really, the other position is up for anyone who's willing to fight for it. And I think if he was to play, if he were, it was, we can talk about 4-4-2 in a minute if you don't mind. Sure, we can do that too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think at the moment he might still go with pretty much what Jukanovic has been doing, which is going to be Scherler or... Okay. Vieto or, or, you know, someone like that. I'm not sure he's going to go to Cambano or Aiti or Kamara. I think it will be one of uh, just one of those two guys initially. Um, This is where I struggle with the 4-2-3-1. And (laughs) there's all, you know, and then if we talk about, because we know Mitrovic is going to be up front. I mean, we know that. But but listen. If we if we talk about four four two, let's talk about four four two because that is fascinating. If he went that direction, so he play, you know, four four two. What does he do? Go diamond? I don't think so. In this situation, I think you go two two banks of four, and I can't. Again, if he's talking about spirit fight that type of stuff, then you you probably have to go with McDonald um, or two of these three, which is McDonald yep. Johansson. Or Anguissa, you know, or okay. Chambers. Sorry, right. two of those four. Two of those four. So, in the middle, and then you look at the look at the wide guys. I would not be. So we do not have a natural right-sided midfielder. No, that's a great point. And I would not be at all shocked if he's looking to be a bit defensive to see Christie play as a, wow. a right-sided midfielder. Um, means means the fullbacks can double up, yeah. Um, be it a doy or, or whoever, just just to give us a bit of balance. Because if you get put Kearney there, we all know he's he's no good on the right. Uh, Siri doesn't look anything like a winger. Um, you could argue then it opens up space for Cavano or Aite if he yeah. fancies them. Vieto for me is, cannot play in that position. He's a striker. Um, and same with Schurler, really. I don't see well, it's been that. suggested to me in a four-four-two. It could potentially be Vieto and Mitro. Up front, absolutely. You could go with Mitro and then whoever you wanted to put next to him, Schurler or Vieto. Or I Vieto. Might even go, yeah, I might go Vieto and Schurler misses out. So I think every team finishes with Sess on the left somewhere. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I'd be shocked if he wasn't. But in a four-four-two, um, Mike Kearney misses out in your mind. Where do you put him? I think Kearney and Siri miss out. Yeah, in some that's ways. A, true. I know it sounds shocking, but 
but then you talk about it like that and you just go well and and this is what i was saying earlier where he picks a team he doesn't have a formation he picks the team with with the players he has so you look at that and you go well no we can't play 4-4-2 can we because you can't have Kearney or Siri as one of the two midfielders we just no. we just get walked over so that reverts you back to 4-2-3-1 4-3-2-1 right you know diamonds and all that kind of stuff and uh so yeah it's um it's a, it's a tough call but uh so it's going to be him adapting to the squad that we have and i don't think it's our players adapting to the his rigid type of formation because that's not what he does he he goes with the players he has okay so he would be adapting to what he has and i understand that let me ask you this would he be building a team in certain matches to play against the opponent? Or do you think this is strictly finding the right players to play the style that he feels they need to play? So do you think that he won't be focusing on, say, how Southampton play? He's going to be focusing more on this is the best team and the best system I have. Well, I think like any manager, you're going to look at your opponents and, and pick dependent on who you're playing. So, Maybe against the bigger sides, he will he will go even more defensive and and long. So you know, I just mentioned Christie maybe on the right. You know, he might sacrifice a bit of flair to to give us a bit more um, being a bit more solid. Uh, but against Southampton, you've got to go for a win, haven't you? So he has to find a way of fitting those players in. And so uh, yeah, I mean, it is it's horses for courses, and he I know he does he does tinker. So, uh, <laughs> you know. That's what's interesting about this, Mike, because I don't see this as a situation like he had at Leicester City when it was basically the same team each and every match. I think that, use the word, I think he's going to be tinkering a little bit. And I'm not against that. I, you know, again, I, I want him to play against the opponent to find the best team and the system that works against the opponent. But I just want to bring that up. Would he be more concerned about just getting the right players that can play in a system? But I think that also he will be picking the team that he thinks is the best team to, say, play against uh, Southampton and then Chelsea coming up. One last thing that I want to mention, and then I'm, I, I want to go to you for a final thought that we talked about off air. And, uh, again, I like this attitude, Mike, because he was asked during the presser about the next three matches, and he was talking about Chelsea coming up. All he wanted to do was talk about Southampton. And I know it's simplistic to say, think about the next match, but it's always nice to hear that he's just focused on Southampton. And he said that over and over again. Well, yeah, I mean, it's his, it's his debut. He wants to make sure he's got the longest period he's going to have, you know, between games usually. And uh, we've got quite a few games coming up as well. So he's got to get over to the players. He said himself, what was it, 11, 12 players away on international duty. Um, he's got to get his message and his system through to them. And, uh, you know, it's at home. It's a game they've got to target. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you know, for me, it's a win. It's not, we, we don't draw. I'm not going to say a draw is no good, but um, it's a win that we must go for against Southampton. So, uh, and it's his chance to see his, his new players in a, in a real situation and, and how they respond to his team talks and tactics. That's when you find out, you know, whether it's all working. Okay, excellent there, Mike. All right. I want to go to you for your final thoughts. Uh, 
you were at a special event. So please uh, talk to me a little bit about that. So, I mean, my final thoughts on on the situation that we've just spoken about is that sure. uh, it's a it's a blank sheet of paper. I'm pretty sure for all the players. Yes, you you come into a situation and you have preconceived views on certain players. I'm sure he, you know, there's players he likes and and doesn't fancy as well, even from just seeing us a few times. But uh, I'd like to think they've all got a blank sheet of paper, and that should be the same for the fans. We should. You know, this is a fresh start for everyone, and uh, I'm I'm confident we're going to do enough to stay up, um, even before seeing anything from the teams he puts out. So uh, he's got a lot of work to do though between now and next Saturday, that's for sure. But yeah, th- this week I uh, was happy to uh, help run and attend uh, the book launch of uh, There's Only One F in Fulham, 30 yep. years and more of Fulham Football Club and Two Fifth. Uh, written by David Lloyd, a fanzine editor of 30 years and uh, a Fulham friend as well. And um, so we organised a, a book launch in Putney uh, in a pub uh, just overlooking the Thames. We thought that was apt. And uh, we had about 70-odd people there. It was a, a really good night. Uh, we had a, there was a uh, question and answer session uh, hosted by uh, Tom Greatrix, the uh, chairman of uh, the Fulham Supporters Trust. The conversation with David for just over half hour. Then we had a break, had a few drinks, and then uh, the ex-Crystal uh, Palace manager, Alan Smith, took over. He's a big Fulham fan. And uh, we had a question and answer session with David Daly, who's a non-executive director at Fulham, yep. who, you know, considering it was the day we sacked Chikanovic, uh, it, it all added a bit of uh, a bit of fun to the proceedings, yeah. and it was very good of David to turn up as well. And you know, he could have easily shied away, but uh, you know, he was there. Uh, Dean Jones, David Kidd, a couple of press guys uh, who were Fulham fans. Uh, Simon Morgan, ex-Fulham player, and yeah. Les Strong, ex-Fulham player as well. And uh, you know, it was about the ins and outs of what some people know. You know, which stays what we call Chatham House rules a little bit. Uh, you know, what was said there pretty much should stay there, but uh, there was nothing outrageous. And um, it was a really good, really good night, a good social night. Um, Recognised so many people. Might not know them by name, but you've seen them on the terraces or in the stands over the last 30 years. There was a lot of grey hair on the on show and, and some with no hair. But uh, no, it was a great, great night. But the main thing, it was for David. It's a great book. Um, it's available various places. I know Fulhamish uh, website have it available yep. to buy from, um, and I'd highly recommend it. It's a, if, you, if you've got a Fulham fan in the family, you want to buy them a Christmas present, I'd highly recommend this. It's a it's a big tome. It's a uh, A4 size book. You know, it's a coffee table book, and but well worth it. And uh, of course, it, you know, it's uh, it's a really great achievement by David. Absolutely. And Mike, I'm glad that we could uh, pretty much end the show talking about that. And uh, best of luck to David and his book. And I hope it's a huge success. It should be. So uh, please do go out and buy his book. And like you mentioned, you can actually go to the Fulmish website and it's there. So you can purchase it there. So do check out David's book. I 
highly recommend going and uh, checking it out. Uh, someone that knows foam extremely well. So it's probably a fantastic read. I'll probably get one myself. All right, Mike, before we go, I can't let you go without getting your thoughts of moving forward. I was just thinking about this. Should I let you go with, with not asking you this question, but, uh, Lots happened this last week, and um, I was, you know, again, taken back by Savisa. I have so many fond memories of Savisa, so this took me hard. I've begun this stage of uh, moving forward, we'll just say, and uh, I'm looking forward to the Ranieri era, I'm going to call it. Want to get your thoughts about the Ranieri era, and then we'll uh, end the show quickly. Um, well, I mean, let me just uh, let me just say that I think the good thing about Slab leaving this week is it didn't turn toxic against him. You know, yeah. he's he gave us so so many highlights over the last two years, and um, we could have stuck with him a little bit longer. The tide was turning. There were certainly fans who. That's were how I bit, felt. <laughs> yeah, um, but so he, he's gone with his head held high. That's the main thing. He will be remembered greatly. He, he will go down for me. He's, he's you know. He's in the top three managers that, uh, that I've seen in the last 40 years at Fulham. Giannis um, said that, that too, uh, by the way. He put him in his top three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you have to. It's a very, very tough. It's getting, a, it just shows you how long we've been supporting them. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got, you know, people like Roy, um, you know, in there. You've got Mickey Adams as well, Tiganar, and now you add Jukanovic. Uh, so actually, you know, you've got four there, which, Depending on how I wake up, I might interchange a couple of them. But uh, it it was certainly the most consistent good football I've watched at, for over two years. So uh, so yeah, it'd be missed. But we move on, and that chapter is closed. And uh, we we now have a a good old Italian defensive guy who is exactly what we need at this moment in time. And uh, we will now see a different style of football. Um, but we need points. If we want to stay, if you're a fan who wants to stay in the Premier, in the Premier League, um, and yes, we can also miss the championship, but if we need to stay up, really. And he, I think he's our best chance. So yeah. uh, all we can do is wish him luck. Patience again, you know, something we a word I've had to use a, a lot over the last two years. Yep. Um, patience again, it's, it's, it's not going to be an overnight uh job, but I would expect us by Christmas to be uh in a much better position than we are now. Um, ready to maybe improve in a couple of places and uh and then push on. And you know, 17th. I'll take it now. I've always thought we would be 14th, but um, yeah, just yeah, just give me 17. That's fine. I'll take it right now, Mike. I've completely changed my mind on this. At this point, I just want us to stay in the league. I, I predicted 10th, so I'm looking like the biggest idiot, but I will take 17th just like you. And I'll just share one last thing with you. I can just tell you that probably someone that is extremely excited about the hiring is our co-host, Emilio Donnell. He's actually very excited as you can imagine. So um, yeah. I've been uh, messaging back and forth with Emilio, and he's really excited. Nothing against Slavisa. He's just really excited about Claudio Ranieri. So uh, we shall see how he does. And I look forward to, uh, like I said, the Ranieri era. But let's wrap this up, my friend. 
for my co-host, Mike Gregg. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.